That's big time. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he belt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no-doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are not in the bird's nest We're at not. Oriole Park at Camden Yards because we are at Oriole Spring Training down in Sarasota, Florida at Ed Smith Stadium. I'm Brendan Mortensen alongside Matt Bonaparte. Bones, we're here. It's baseball season. There's baseball weather. Baseball players. It's beautiful. Baseball coaches. I wish you guys baseball could, uh, people. could see what we're looking at right now. Just yeah. a beautiful baseball stadium. It's picture day here. We're watching everybody get their pictures taken. It's like yeah. high school all over and again. And to be fair, we did try to show you what we are looking we at made here at Edsmith Stadium, and the lighting was absolutely terrible. Although, I suppose people probably would have rather seen the field than seen us, but I don't know if that really works well Well, that would have taken their their you know concentration off the topic. So That's true. I'm okay with this. Yeah, and we do have a lot of topics today. We're here at spring training, so it's going to be a lot of what we have seen, what we have heard. So let's start with maybe – not the biggest takeaway, but just something that we have felt being here. Uh, Corbin Burns is here, and he's yeah. one of the best pitchers in baseball, and he's he's on this baseball team, and that's really Walking cool. in the clubhouse and seeing Corbin Burns' name played on the lockers, I mean, come on. Yeah. That, that was incredible. Meeting the guy, what a nice guy. Um, and he, I mean, it, it's crazy just to walk around the bullpens and, like, you're watching a Cy Young Award winner. Yeah pitch it's it's fantastic and the Orioles have a couple of those guys that have that sort of upside yes Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez but Corbin Burns is a he's the real deal star yeah I mean it is an Adley Rutschman Gunnar Henderson type of player that has been added to the Orioles starting rotation and he has a presence yes he does you feel it when you walk around the complex like that's that's Corbin Burns yeah absolutely he's real the Orioles actually traded for him that's a, that's a thing that happened, and you're going to see yeah. him pitch every fifth day, and that's, that's really cool. We watched him throw a bullpen yesterday, and, that, I mean, that was just really cool. Watching him yeah. just pop the glove, it, it was fantastic. And you know he's going to just add so much on the field and off for this team. Yeah, not much news to report with Corbin Burns other than the fact that he is here. That trade actually happened, and we, <laughs> we can confirm Burns he is here every fifth day. Let's talk about one of the bigger topics and one of the biggest camp battles thus far, and that is the fourth outfielder spot. Yeah. Obviously, we're not going to learn a ton before games start. We're just seeing live batting practice. We're seeing fielding drills and things like that. We know the conversation more than likely may come down to the Orioles' two top prospects in those outfield spots in Colton Kowser and Heston Kerstad. But Bones, at least from what we've seen so far, Kyle Stowers is not going away. Kyle Stowers in live ABs was really good. Yeah. I mean, he was hitting the ball all over the ballpark. Left on um, left. Left on left as well. And that's something that I think Brandon Hyde and the rest are, are really testing a lot of the lefties on. We saw CNL Perez face off against Jackson Holiday as well. And, and CNL Perez looked pretty good. Um, but Kyle Stowers, you're right, is not going away. He, he's just proving once again that you can't forget about him. Yeah, he got hit in the face with a pitch and it, it ruined his season. But he's still one of the most talented players in the organization, and he's here to prove that. Yeah, I mean, look, this is somebody who made the opening day roster last yes. year. And I think a lot of people, you know, fans and otherwise, have kind of left Kyle Stowers out of that conversation yes. for somebody who could make the opening day roster in 2024. And I don't think that was necessarily fair to do. I think we're probably guilty of it as well, not talking about Kyle Stowers as much as we should be. Because clearly he had the talent to make the team out of camp last year. This is a former second-round pick. Yeah, He put up great numbers in AAA last year when he was healthy and able to play. 
And you don't want to just completely write off the season and say that it was a lost year and you can't take anything from what Kyle Stowers did in 2023. He did struggle at the big league level, and you have to note that when you are looking at guys that could potentially take that fourth outfielder spot this season. But so did somebody like Colton Kowser. Yes. Uh, Colton Kowser, a little bit younger, you know, obviously the fifth overall pick in the draft a couple of years ago, has probably a higher upside than somebody like Kyle Stowers. But Stowers could still be a really solid platoon bat. And if he's hitting lefties well, maybe he doesn't just have to be that. He can be a solid defensive replacement. Probably not going to see Stowers in center field, which hurts him a little bit. But if he continues to put together good ABs here in spring, I think he is well within that conversation and, and closer to that opening day roster than we've been giving him credit for. Absolutely. And you mentioned that maybe we haven't been talking about him as much as we should, but I think that's just a testament to the other names that the Orioles organization pushes forth. I don't think there's a lot of other teams who have a pretty highly touted prospect and Stowers come up, and then two who are even more highly touted follow him in Kerstad and Kowser. So his competition is probably more difficult than a lot of other players in his position. Uh, but still a very talented player and one that has a, definitely has a chance at making the opening day roster. Yeah, and you mentioned Heston Kerstad. We saw him in live BP yesterday hit an absolute rocket ship. Yes. Like, the ball just sounds different coming off of Heston yeah. Kerstad's bat. And I think if he makes this team, again, we have talked about this outfield conversation a lot. Yeah. If Colton Kowser is the fourth outfielder, it's most likely because they need a defensive replacement in center field and left field and right field, yes. anywhere you can get him. If Heston Kerstad makes this opening day roster, it's going to be because of the bat. And and I think that's been apparent so far. The bat is as advertised. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like we've mentioned many times, he's more of the right field first base kind of bat. And and being a lefty helps, as Kowser is too, and so Stowers. But Kowser is just a different kind of player in terms of his defense. Can play all over the outfield, while Kerstad is the corner outfielder first baseman kind of guy. So not to keep going back to that Kowser-Kerstad conversation, we have had it many, many times, but we did have an interesting conversation yesterday with Jorge Mateo, who arrived to camp, and we found out that not only has he been taking a lot of reps at shortstop in the offseason, but he's been taking a ton of reps at second base and a lot, a lot in center field. We asked him how often he's been working in center. He said about five days a week. He said five days a week every week throughout the winter he's been playing center field. So that doesn't sound to me like somebody who is expecting to just be a shortstop. Yeah, uh, last he's not year, backing down. Last year, he was played two games in center field and was primarily a shortstop for 2023. In 2024, if Jorge Mateo makes this opening day roster, I don't think he's really a shortstop at that point. It sounds like he's going to be playing some shortstop. We know there's playing time available at second base. And if somebody like Colton Kowser doesn't make this opening day roster and you need a backup center fielder, Jorge Mateo just might be that guy. And we heard a lot from Brendan Hyde. Two days in a row he talked about Jorge Mateo's versatility and what he can do in the outfield and how well uh, he can play out there. And and he's one of the best athletes on this team and definitely one of the most versatile defenders on this team. And he played a little bit of center field uh, last year against the Mets and the Astros. He did it in San Diego, too. Yeah, and he played pretty well. Um, So I think that he definitely has a chance to make this team not as the traditional second baseman that we've seen in years past, but as a utility, yeah, excuse me, shortstop, but as a utility player who can play both the middle infield and center field. Yeah, and I do think that changes the outfield calculus a little bit because when you are looking at the group of outfielders that could potentially crack this opening day roster, we kind of grouped them, as mentioned before, as, you know, somebody like Kerstad is going to really be bringing the bat, but he can really only play a corner outfield. 
And then guys like Colton Kowser, Ryan McKenna are going to be your more prototypical, okay, they can play anywhere in the outfield that you need them to as a defensive replacement. Does Mateo having the ability to play center field change that calculus of whether or not you really need an outfielder as your fourth guy that can play every single outfield position? I think it absolutely does. Yeah. When, you, when you fold him into the mold there um, and you look at all your options now and you know that you have a guy who's an established big leaguer in Jorge Mateo that now you can throw into center field, it definitely throws a wrench into Kowser and Kerstad's plan into making this team on opening day because there's just that much more competition. Yeah, and I think you know when you were looking at Mateo specifically, You've got him as a center field option. You have Austin Hayes as a center field option if Cedric Mullins needs an off day. And if you have both of those guys, you don't necessarily need a fourth outfielder that can play every single position in the outfield. So I think that bodes well for somebody like Heston Kerstad, who yeah. played really, really well last season, established himself with the bat, but he's probably only going to play right field at Camden Yards and right field, left field at away ballparks. So I think... Mateo having that positional versatility maybe hurts Kowser McKenna and helps Kerstad. Yeah, and Kerstad's got his own troubles with Ryan O'Hearn at first base. That's sure. a difficult competition. Fills a very similar role. Yeah, so, I mean, they're both now facing a big leaguer in their way, um, which before, for Kowser at least, wasn't necessarily the, the case. So it, it's a difficult role, role or road for any of those guys now. Yeah, and again, this just is a testament to the amount of talent that is here at Big League Camp. When we're talking about somebody like Colton Kowser, who is the 19th-ranked prospect in all of baseball, according to MLB Pipeline, is MLB ready? And just we're not sure exactly what spot he fits into. I don't yeah. think there's a lot of other teams around the league that would be having a similar conversation of where to put Colton Kowser. I, I think most teams around baseball are just starting him in the outfield somewhere. But this is just the kind of talent that this team has right now. Yes. Uh, and again, as we've said many times, it's a good problem to have, but still a problem. So the fourth outfielder spot, of course, one that we will look at throughout spring training, and we will probably be having many more conversations about this topic moving forward. We've also seen a lot of new bullpen arms and just a lot of new names here in general. Michael Elias has been working on the margins over the last few weeks, bringing in a lot of guys that maybe profile as depth pieces here and there and could maybe factor their way into the big league roster at some point this season. We've seen infielder, outfielder, hybrid types like Nick Maton. We've also seen a couple of relievers that have been brought in, two high upside guys in particular in Matt Crook and Caleb Ward. Yeah, Matt Crook uh, and Caleb Ward, both guys that can within the AL East, Crook from the Yankees, Ort from the Red Sox, uh, and you don't know what they're going to add on opening day, but you don't know what the Orioles could do. Yeah. You know, they, they can turn anybody into anything. A lot of strikeouts are yeah. going to come from those two guys. I mean, if you want to look at some crazy numbers, look at Matt Crook in the minor leagues. His strikeout numbers, ridiculous. He's up towards a 30 40% strikeout rate. And he does it throwing 88 miles an hour. Yeah, he, he also walks a ton of people. Yes. The walk rate was really, really high. We have seen that from Orioles pitchers in the past. Somebody like Yanir Cano, really high strikeout numbers, really high walk numbers. Felix Bautista, really high strikeout yes. numbers, really high walk numbers. Like you mentioned, he's not going to pump 100 like Felix Bautista. Matt Crook tosses about 88 miles an hour and is still able to strike everybody out. I think he's a really intriguing arm because he just yeah. lost a lefty in D.L. Hall. Matt Crook is a lefty who can strike everybody out. 
that's what DL Hall gave you. A, a similar thing, different pitching profiles because DL Hall had the lights out fastball and the really good slider, whereas Matt Crook isn't going to overpower you with anything. He's just a more of a finesse type of pitcher. But in terms of what they give you, it's lefties that strike a bunch of guys out and have trouble with walks. Yeah, and I think the Orioles are becoming a little bit more comfortable taking those guys, knowing that they've had success, turning them into really successful big leaguers like yeah. Felix Bautista and like Yenier Cano. So they're willing to take a risk on really low-risk players that they didn't give up a ton for, and they're willing to give them a tryout basically in spring training and see what's what uh, and, and if they can kind of mold them into a high strikeout guy that they can rely on later in games or even just middle of games. So if those guys can uh, follow the Orioles' mold and if they can get their hands on them and really make them the player that they want them to be, they can become incredibly effective and turn into a type like Danny Coulomb we saw last year come out of nowhere and be incredibly effective and important for this team. So with... Bradish and Means going down on opening or for opening day, and you slot in Wells and Irvin into the bull or the rotation. The bullpen has two more spots, so yeah. they're going to try out whatever they can. Yeah, and let's talk about one guy in particular that has jumped out to a lot of people here at spring training yeah. and could be in the competition again more so than we thought for those two final bullpen spots that we're presuming are available. That's Wanderson Charles. Yeah, stuff guy. Wanderson yes. Charles. Wanderson Charles was a pretty highly ranked prospect for the A's. Didn't work out for him. He didn't get to play in the minor leagues in 2020, of course. Got thrown off the path a little bit. Orioles bring him in, uh, and he has pretty electric stuff, like you said. Yeah. Really, really great fastball, and he played in Bowie last year and had a two low 2 ZRA, I want to say about 2-3-5. Uh, he played really, really well, got up to AAA where he struggled a little bit, but I think this is another guy like Felix Bautista and like Yenier Cano who has the potential to come up and make a real difference in the Orioles' bullpen. Now, whether or not he does probably hinges on his control and whatever else that the Orioles need him to get under control, but this is a guy with a lot of potential and somebody uh, to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, it feels similar to the Cano and Bautista conversation. Yes. Because when Felix Bautista was first protected and added to the 40-man roster, the Orioles wanted to make sure he wasn't eligible for the Rule 5 draft. It was kind of like, what? Yeah. Because he looked at the numbers and there wasn't a ton there with Felix outside of the strikeout numbers. But the question was, can he put the ball in the strike zone? Yes. Because he was walking so many people, but the stuff was just electric. Yenier Cano, a similar type of conversation where you always looked at the roster and you said, oh, yeah, Yenier Cano's still on this roster. The yeah. Orioles are holding on to him for one reason or another. And it seems like Wandison Charles kind of falls under that category a little bit where you're looking at the roster, you're looking at some of the talented arms down in the minors, and you're like, oh, yeah, Wandison Charles is still here. Yes. That's a guy that the Orioles got for you know basically nothing. And you're looking at him and you're like, oh, yeah, he's, he's here. I guess the Orioles are liking something about him to keep him on this roster, to invite him to big league camp, to – have him potentially be part of their future here. And I think we could see a similar path to somebody like, you know, not going to say that Wanderson Charles is going to be an all-star, not projecting him to be that elite of a bullpen arm here. But at the same time, you didn't think Cano upside. would be either. Right. And nobody did. I mean, right. at the beginning of the season when Cano was in some conversations, everybody was like, whoa, 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 who is this guy? Yeah. And now we're in a position where if the Orioles take a flyer on a guy and give him a shot – maybe where other teams wouldn't, you trust them because yeah. they see something that other teams and media and fans alike probably don't. So Wanderson Charles is a guy you should maybe not expect to be an all-star, but expect to be more than he is right now. Yeah, and as games start up here in a few days, I think 
Monison Charles might. He's going to get some play, some I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the starting rotation. That has obviously been a big topic of conversation as yeah. we heard the injury news <clears> about <throat> Kyle Bradish and John Means. Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin, we are assuming, are going to slot into those two roles. Tyler Wells, not many question marks there. I don't think really the questions were, was he building up as a starter or a reliever in the offseason? Seems like he just built up for as many innings as he could pitch. Tyler Wells anticipating that, you know, whatever role he is in, whether it was a reliever role with the Burns trade and we didn't know about the injuries yet, or if it was going to be a spot starter type of role or just flat out a starting pitcher, he was going to work as if he was going to be a starter. So he was built up and, and Tyler Wells, at least from what we have seen so far from his bullpens, he's going to give you a lot of what he gave you last year. And again, don't forget, he was the best starter in this rotation for the first half of the season, had what the best whip in the American league yes, he did. in the first half of the season. So Tyler Wells filling into that role again, probably not many teams better suited in baseball to have one of their starters go down when you have somebody like Tyler Wells available. Cole Irvin had more question marks, I think, yes, because definitely. you look at the overall numbers from last year, and Cole Irvin didn't have a fantastic season. Pitched really well down the stretch. Had a 2.40 ERA after August 1st. But there were some questions when both Bradish and Means are presumably out for opening day. Is Cole Irvin going to give you what you would need out of a number five starter? And what we have seen and heard from Cole Irvin so far would point towards the good end of that spectrum. Yeah, we talked to him yesterday, and he talked about how he added a cutter near the end of the season. Yep. And at first, uh, the team was like, oh, we don't know about this cutter. And then it started working, and everyone was like, all right, let's talk about this cutter. Yeah. Um, and incidentally, he throws it similarly to Corbin Burns, so I'm sure that'll help him. Yeah, same group. Uh, which is pretty freaking cool, uh, for, especially for Cole Irvin, who gets yeah. to go walk over to Corbin Burns and say, hey, let's talk about this cutter. Yeah. Um, but Cole Irvin, yeah, I mean, what a great back half to the season. Acquired really early in the year, had some question marks on him, and then was a dog uh, yeah. for the Orioles down the, the stretch. And, and this is a guy who, like you said, had more question marks on him, but honestly, somebody I'm going into the season with a decent amount of faith in yeah. uh, to rise to the occasion and, and be a starter for this team, at least for the beginning of the season while the Orioles are dealing with some injuries. Cole Irvin could really be, this is his opportunity to shine, and I think there's a good chance he takes it and runs with it. Yeah, told us yesterday, too, that he came into last season a little bit overweight, dropped yeah. 12 pounds this offseason to come in in better shape. And yeah. we saw him throwing live BP yesterday. Looked good. He looks locked in. And yeah. something else he said was that when he was with the A's, he was a little comfortable. You know, yeah. he maybe came into the season, like you said, a little bit overweight. And when he got to the Orioles, he had to play catch up because it's a clubhouse that is, you know, they want to win. Uh, everybody's in shape. Everybody's getting it done. Uh, and Cole Irvin, maybe he was admitting that he wasn't there when he came over. And now in this offseason, he absolutely is there. And like you said, and like I said, he looks locked in. Yeah. And I, I think this is really a great opportunity for him. This is a 101 win team last year. Yeah. And Cole Irvin's spot was not guaranteed at yes. any point, especially before the news about Bradish and about Means. Yes, we were penciling Cole Irvin into the bullpen as, you know, the long relief type. He had a fantastic, you know, stretch run last year to end 2023. But Cole Irvin was not one of my locks no. in the bullpen. And I think that Cole Irvin probably felt that yeah. in the offseason where this is a really competitive team. He was in and out of the rotation last year. He made starts down the stretch more so out of necessity than the fact that he was putting up great numbers. So maybe the pressure was on a little bit. So he comes into camp 
in better shape and it was working on that cutter a lot. And he's got the cutter-sinker combo that can work really well. So Cole Irvin, I am definitely excited to see what he brings in spring training here. I would pencil him into the starting rotation right now as the Orioles' number five starter. I think most people Barring probably are. Barring a move are. or something, right. I think he's your guy. Yeah, with unless they bring in somebody that I mentioned before, like a Michael Lorenzen yes. type of player who fills a similar role to Irvin. I would imagine that Irvin is your fifth starter on opening day, and it seems like he is taking that potential role very, very seriously. Agreed. I absolutely think he's the guy. Topic of spring training, Jackson Holiday. Yes. We've got to talk about what we have seen from him so far. It's, it's nothing short of impressive yeah. every single time. Well, the thing that I notice about Jackson Holiday is that he carries himself like he's a 10-year vet. Yeah. You know, and probably helps because his dad has uh, had a fantastic career in the over majors. A yeah, he's a fantastic player, seven-time All-Star yep. Matt Holiday. But I think that Jackson Holiday is a guy that's going to fit in really well with this clubhouse if he makes the team on opening day. Uh, and you know, talent aside, he's a guy you want on your team. Um, he's very you know loose, comfortable around the guys, and, and I think that probably helps that he came up with most of them too. Yeah. So uh, the Orioles have that going for them. But in terms of his play. You know, we talked to Ryan O'Hearn, and he said he's got a perfect swing. How many yeah. guys can you say that about? Like perfect swing. Perfect swing. I mean, from a guy who's a really good hitter in yeah. Ryan O'Hearn, so that's pretty high praise. Uh, but, you know, all we've heard is good things. And, you know, he's the number one prospect in baseball, so that's what you'd hope. But all we've heard is that he's a great infielder. He can, he can really play defense very well, and he's got that perfect swing. Yeah, I think the hype is real with this kid. And we have heard in the clubhouse, too, just how impressed everybody has been with how he carries yes. himself. Nobody thinks that that kid is 20. And that's what we heard. He, he doesn't carry himself That's like what that. we heard midway through the season when we were going to Bowie and other places, is that when he rose through those, or those levels, people were saying, yeah, that guy's an awesome teammate. Yeah. Everybody says it. So I think this is a guy you should be really happy about. And also just being here in person. Jackson Holiday was tossing some weight this offseason. Yeah, that, I mean, that's true. last year, if you were looking at Jackson Holiday and his jersey looked like he was swimming in it a little bit. Yeah. Nope. Not the case not anymore. anymore. Yeah. Jackson Holiday bulked up yeah, this offseason. And I suppose that's kind of a thing that we should have expected as somebody who was just 19 years old is now 20, is bulking up a little bit more. He bulked up a lot more. Yeah. I mean, an article from the Baltimore Sun saying that he could, I mean, he's benching like 315, I think. That's unbelievable, squatting like You look at him, you think there's no chance. Yeah, that, that's just crazy. That's ridiculous. Yeah. He is a lot bigger than he was last year. Yeah, and I if mean. if you had question marks about, you know, his size, if he was mature enough physically to be at the big league level, I think he has very much answered that so far. I agree. Um, he's, he's almost unrecognizable in terms of his build. Yeah. The guy's huge. Um, so, I mean, just more good things that we have to say about yeah. it. There's nothing – I can't pick on anything for him. Uh, speaking of huge, last player I want to touch on here, Samuel Basayo. Massive human being. That's a dude. Large human being. That's a dude. Uh, you, if you just walked around the clubhouse and said, which one of these players is 19 – Samuel Basayo is probably not on one the of the last guys <laughs> that I would point to yeah, no, I and agree. say that dude's 19. Uh, that's, that's a big kid. Yeah, um, and he was catching bullpens, not throwing, obviously, due to the, uh, the injury that we heard about. Yeah. But he's right in the mix, and it's good to watch him play baseball because it's something I hadn't done and yeah. probably some others hadn't. Um, Great but to get to talk to him a little yes, bit. Yes, nice kid. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, 19 years old, that big. I mean, you know what the the front office sees in terms of potential yeah. just by looking at the guy. And a great, valuable experience for him to get Absolutely. him to be able to talk to guys at the big league level, see what it takes to get to this point. For We're not sure. expecting Samuel Basayo to make an impact on the big league roster in 2024. I don't think the Orioles are expecting that no. either. He's more than likely going to start the season in double-A buoy. If he has a great year, maybe we see him at triple-A Norfolk around halfway through the year. I threw out the possibility that he could be a sort of September call-up if the Orioles needed him and wanted to make a push. I don't think it's going to happen. It no. would be really cool, but it would be shocking. Some weird dominoes would have to fall for yes. that to occur. Yes, and he would have to absolutely and light he, the he, world on fire. That whole time, he'd have to be mashing, which, listen, very possible. he never hasn't. Right. So that's that's a possibility, but yeah. a new level for him. Uh, he did hit a couple home runs in Bowie before the season ended, yeah. but he'll start the season in Bowie. We're, we'll see where he goes from there, but uh, hopefully he ends up in AAA. Yeah, just cool to see him here. Yes, absolutely. It, it is cool to have him. It's cool to know that he is getting the experience from these big league coaches, trying to gather as much information as he can from these big league players. That's going to be really valuable for somebody like Samuel Basayo down the line, and it, it's just fun to get to see him play. Agreed. Well, that'll just about wrap things up for this week's edition of the Bird's Nest here at Ed Smith Stadium down in Sarasota. Thank you so much for following along with our coverage down here. We hope you've been enjoying the videos and the pictures we're going to be bringing you as much as we possibly can here over the next few days. Don't forget the spring training report is starting back up on Masson Thursdays at 7 p.m. with myself, Brett Hollander, and Melanie Newman. We'll be bringing you all of your spring training news from your Baltimore Orioles. For Matt Bonaparte, I'm Brendan Mortensen, and we'll catch you next time.